Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. We're thrilled that you've chosen to listen in today as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, in today's podcast, I'm interviewing Brian Reisner. Brian is a current missionary to Romania serving for the Baptist Missionary Association of America. He and his family moved to Romania in July of 2018, and they're currently planting a church in the village of Santandre. He's married to Pam, and his three children are Melody, Lindsay, and Landon, and they're all in the ninth grade. Brian served as the student pastor at their Cindy Church, Calvary Baptist Church in Moralton, Arkansas, prior to moving to the mission field. He has 14 years of youth pastor experience, all of which were bivocational. In addition, he has 14 years of experience in law enforcement. And prior to moving to Romania, he served as the full-time police officer at the Moralton High School. Now in his free time, he enjoys studying various martial arts. He has a love for camping, hiking, and spending time in the mountains. His greatest passion is simply telling others about Jesus and how they can know Jesus as their personal Savior. I'm excited to welcome Brian to Student Ministry Matters. Hey, it is an honor to be a part of your podcast today. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Well, we had the privilege of meeting back in 2013 on the Great Escape Youth Pastors Cruise. Um, I mean, I love that thing. You got to eat and just relax and enjoy one another. I think Brandon Cox was a speaker that year, and we talked about social media and it's it's crazy to see how so many things have changed and the direction things have gone. But um, it was great to, to get to know you and your wife back then. Uh, our paths stay connected, though. Uh, you took my son on his first VSM trip yes. back in 2016. And then in, uh, and that was to Romania, where you find yourself today. And then again in 2018, when he had the, the privilege of kind of helping you make that move onto the field. And so... I know he was thrilled by that. Yeah, it's been so exciting to see your your life uh, and how God has been working in it. And I'd love if you would start by sharing with our listeners your call to Christ, you know, how God saved you, and then your call to ministry. How did you know that God wanted you to serve him in a full-time capacity? So would you start with the salvation story? My story started, uh, probably starts at when my mom was 18 years old and she had got pregnant with me. And uh, she, uh, you know, she did the best that she could to raise me in a godly home. Uh, she was doing it alone. She was doing it um, just uh, as a single parent. And uh, she was raising me up. And my biological dad uh, did not want to take care of his, of his responsibility. Uh, so he left her whenever she got pregnant. So um, growing up was kind of rough without a dad. But God had a plan and he had a purpose all along. And um, I remember uh, just being in church and just feeling a, a tug on my heart many times that God had a plan for me. Uh, I was eight years old when I got saved. 
Uh, I was sitting in a little a church in Gravel Ridge, Arkansas, and uh, my uncle was the pastor of that church, and he was preaching a hellfire brimstone sermon. And uh, he was screaming and yelling about hell, and he was beating his fist against the pulpit, and he was talking about the consequences of our sin. And I knew that I was a sinner, and I had no mm-hmm. doubt that I was going to go to hell if I died. So I asked, I went to the altar and asked Jesus to come into my life and to save me. And uh, he did exactly that. Gravel Ridge. Where is that? at? Uh, that's just outside of Sherwood, Arkansas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Great. You know, it is, it styles of preaching have changed over the years. Yes. Um, you know, those hellfire and brimstone. I remember that. I remember as a, as a kid listening and watching one of the pastors as he preached at our church and his face would get more and more red and I thought his head was going to explode. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the truth of, of scripture is clear. There is a hell and there is a need for salvation. And it was God blessed and, and allowed you that experience when you were eight years old. And that's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, what about your, your call to ministry? How'd you know that God wanted you to serve full time? I mean, you're a missionary to Romania. Um, yes. At some point, God made that clear to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, my grandmother would tell me stories that she she had uh, knew that God had called me to be uh, in the ministry at an early age, even as five, early as four and five years old. Um, oh, wow. she, she would tell me stories that I would hold my grandpa's Bible in my hands and I would just be preaching to an imaginary crowd. And uh, she would laugh, but she, she would tell herself, he, he's going to be in the ministry one day. Um, oh. I've always had a desire to be in the ministry, but I never thought that I would know enough. You know, I, I didn't have all the rules down, I guess you can say, growing up. And um, me and my wife, Pam, we started dating um, in high school. I was a senior and she was in 11th grade. And we started to go to church in a little church in Hattieville, Arkansas. And the pastor is Kenneth Strickland. That was his pastor there mm-hmm. at, at that time. Yeah. And we started going to church there. And uh, for the first time, I started really getting into the word of God like never before. And um, it didn't take long. Uh, me and Pam got married. Um, Pam got pregnant with Melody, uh, our, our one of our uh, daughters. And during that time, Brother Kenneth Strickland had called me into his office and they needed a youth pastor. And he asked me if I was interested in being the youth pastor at Hattieville Missionary Baptist Church. And uh, I remember it very well. I told him, I said, well, you know, I don't know if I know enough. And, uh, he kind of laughed because, uh, you know, he was, had been my Sunday school teacher, my pastor for several years. And he knew my, uh, uh, my desire and my thirst for the word of God. Um, and that kind of launched, uh, you know, launched me into that, into that ministry. I went home and I prayed about it and, um, I felt strong and I, I committed to, to do that. And uh, that's really where it started, was in Hattieville, Arkansas, as a youth pastor. Oh, that's exciting. You know, God uses those, those. Uh, well, I don't want to say small churches because there are no small churches. They're normative-sized churches, churches that fall under that 200 mark. And right. um, God uses them in big ways. I've seen so many men like yourself who have been a part of those type of churches um, that have found a, a lifetime of ministry because they had opportunity to serve when they were younger. And it's just Absolutely. exciting. Absolutely. Well, you know, before we go any further, you mentioned your wife and you mentioned your daughter. Tell us a little bit more about your family. Well, yeah. So I'm married. I have three kids. I have Melody, Lindsay, and Landon. And, <laughs> um, 
and Pam, me and Pam got married. Um, and, and we had our biological daughter, Melody. And, uh, when Melody was about, uh, six years old, we, uh, took a position at Grace Baptist Church in Russellville, Arkansas, as the youth pastor there. And uh, so so when we was there, we met twins, Landon and La- uh, Lindsay. And Landon and Lindsay was uh, six years old. They was very small. Uh, Landon was very energetic. Uh, he was climbing underneath the pews, you know, during the sermon. Um, he was just really wild. Uh, they lived with their great-grandparents, 80-year-old great-grandparents, and as we uh, started to get to know the church family, get to know uh, their grandparents, we realized that um, their mother um, was a drug addict and uh, she died when they was a baby. And so their great-grandparents got custody of these kids and Melody and Lindsay became best friends. And uh, one day I was just asking questions to to their meemaw. And uh, I said, what's going to happen to these kids if, if something happens to you and your husband and um, I remember very well, they said, well, that uh, Lindsay would go stay with some family members, but Landon would go to foster care because he was too wild and, and none of the family would want him. And uh, I remember saying, well, we wouldn't want that to happen. And I remember um, the Meemaw looked at me and she said, well, do you want him? And uh, Pam and I had been been thinking about that for a long time. These twins has been, they've been on our mind and, uh, you know, the going home from church and back to where we lived in Moralton, most days would end up, we would talk about Landon and Lindsay. And, and so it was an easy answer. I said, yes, we would. And, uh, God took that conversation and within six months, we was able to illegally adopt, uh, both Landon and Lindsay into our home uh, and we went from a, a family of three to a family of five. And you could really say we have triplets designed by God <laughs> because they're all the, about the same age. They're all in the right. ninth grade right now. Yeah, I've, I've seen pictures on social media and I thought, oh, man, they just and I knew knew that they were adopted. Uh, but it just looks like they're y'all are just one family. God yeah, had are. that designed all along. And Amen. so it is it's so exciting to see. Um, people who are willing to to adopt and to foster, um, and so and I admire you for that. And um, it just sounds like God had that worked out. So Absolutely. that's that's exciting. So yes, Amen. Well, how long have you and your wife been married? We have been married. Uh, funny that you said that. Since two thousand and three, uh, I believe okay. eighteen years. My goodness, I hope that, that I didn't get that wrong. She she'll kill, she'll kill me. <laughs> We've been we dated for four years before we got married, so I think we've been okay, together yeah. a total of twenty one years now, but not not I think eighteen years. You know, my brother is he he married his high school sweetheart. I mean they've they've been dating since um, gosh they were he was a junior and she was a sophomore in high school. And it's just kind of crazy for me to think that, but you know I got married young too, and so it's not yes. that big a deal. Um, <laughs> Well, our families are such a big part of, of what we do and, and where we're at in ministry. Um, so it's been very exciting to see, um, you know, some video updates from your kids, um, to see how they have embraced um, embraced that role. And now I know it's you probably have had moments along the way because we all do. Uh, but it's been so exciting to see. Well, you know, when you were in... Um, 
uh, Arkansas, because that's where you're at. You were a student pastor at a church in Arkansas. Um, tell us about that ministry position, your last one, before you made this transition to a uh, missionary to Romania. Was it bivocational or full-time? Uh, what did you focus on, and where was it? Was it the church at Russellville? Actually, it was a church in Moralton. Uh, so we live okay. we live in Moralton, and uh, and it was bivocational. So my background is in law enforcement and student ministry. So uh, I cre- I started both careers about the same time when we was going to church in Hattieville. So I had about hmm. fourteen years of law enforcement experience, fourteen years uh, youth pastor experience before we came on the mission field. Um, and, uh, matter of fact, uh, it, it's always been bivocational as a, as a student minister in, in a student pastor. And, um, so, uh, we was in Moralton and, uh, I, I took a position from a patrolman to a school resource officer, uh, when I worked for the Moralton police department. And, uh, so I was actually the resource officer for the high school. And, uh, that was perfect because that's who I uh, was a student pastor to was the high school there oh, wow. at, in the Calvary Baptist church in Moralton. Yeah, that, that's great. You you had access to them all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Keep an eye on them. Keep an eye on them. Um, you know, I know that with school safety issues, you, you probably felt good to be a part of that, Absolutely. that line. I did. And to, to be there and to protect your students. Well, Absolutely. Uh, that's, that, that's exciting. Um, one of the things that I noticed, um, you know, through social media and through our, our connections there, uh, that you, you focused a lot of attention on evangelism. I, I saw yes. kids getting saved. Um, and th- that's very exciting stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, evangelism is so important. Um, as a matter of fact, I believe one of my spiritual gifts is, is evangelism. But I, I love I love to look at it as relational evangelism, and that's really mm, where yeah. where I built my foundation on. Uh, as a police officer, you heard a lot about community policing and about how you know the officers need to be in the community, and and um, right. but I actually had a twist on that as well, where I did relational policing. And relational evangelism at the same time, and uh, it's where you build genuine relationships with people, not just the fake stuff. You know, sometimes code contact evangelism it's okay, and sometimes it's all you have. But right. often we rubbing shoulders with the people uh, on a day to day basis or a weekly basis, where we really can start to build relationship with these people. And I'm talking about the people from you know at working at Walmart, at the gas station that you get gas at, right. at your sure. school, your job, wherever. So I really started teaching our kids uh, about building relationships with people um, and to be able to then share the gospel. Mm. Oh, that's great. Well. You know, as a student pastor, and we like to claim you as one of our own, you know, especially as a part of a BMA church in, yes. in, in Arkansas, as, as fellow youth pastors and student ministry workers, um, what word of encouragement or instruction would you give to those that are serving in the local church in America as a volunteer, part-time, or bivocational student ministry worker? Well, the first thing I would like to say is you matter. They, each uh, one of them, they matter. They're important. And um, I know it's hard. I know it's hard doing bivocational ministry, but keep moving forward. Keep advancing the kingdom because what they do, what they're doing on a day-to-day basis matters. And um, and that's, that's just so important to understand. Sometimes I felt like being bivocational, I wasn't really part of the team. 
you know, part of the church yeah. team. But that's not true. Uh, matter of fact, I don't think that even if you're bivocational, I don't really think there's a part-time youth student position. I mean, you know, you're <laughs> you're putting in the same amount of time, you know, preaching and preparing. And uh, but yeah, definitely that they matter, that they're important, and that it is hard. But keep moving forward and keep advancing the gospel. Mm, that's a good word. That is, man. Uh, I think about the men and women who are out there in these uh, normative-sized churches that are striving to make an impact in students' lives. They just love students. That's why they do it. They don't get paid. Absolutely. Um, but I, I like what you said. There's really no part-time. No. Um, when, you, when you invest in students, it's kind of full-time Absolutely. all the time. <laughs> it really is. So It really is. I, I don't know how many times that I got called at home, uh, you know, students, um, you know, uh, the police got caught on them or, or they had a domestic uh, disturbance at their house or, you know, mm-hmm. in, in off duty. Now I have to, you know, get my stuff on and leave, you know, all different kind of hours. And, and, but I loved it and, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I knew that, uh, you know, there was a purpose and there was a plan and God had me in that position for a reason. And until he closed that door, I was going to give a hundred percent. Love to hear that. Well, you know, now you're a missionary in a foreign land, or at least to us, it's foreign land. It's it's becoming home to you. Yes. Um, what ministry skills kind of cross over from your days as a student ministry worker? Well, that's funny. Uh, I would say all of them, believe it or not, okay. all of them. <laughs> Number one, patience. You know, as a student, as a student pastor, you're going to develop patience. Uh, you know, the teenagers are going to are going to try you. And uh, they're going to yep. test your patience uh, a lot. And um, so being here in, in Romania, and especially r- working with the Roma community, the, the gypsies, uh, often they're, they're loud and they don't listen to you and they're running around everywhere. And it kind of reminds me of my student pastor days. And, and patience has helped me here. And number two, uh, being able to think outside of the box. You know, as a student pastor, oftentimes you have to come up with wild and wacky things to get their attention, you know, and um, same thing applies here in a foreign mission field is, is sometimes we have to think outside of the box and and get away from the traditional and uh, and really make it uh, effective for them. And then I think the third thing I would say would be compassion for the lost. Uh, you know, um, if it wasn't for the, the my compassion for the teenagers, I would not do that job. Um, but but also that compassion has has led over here into Romania and, and just having compassion for these people has really helped. Mm. You know, we one of the things that that affects me as a student ministry worker is that I learn so much from my students, uh, not just the, the work of of doing it, but spending time with students, they'll come up with an insight to where they will challenge me in ways that pushes yes. my faith forward, my service forward. Amen. And I can only imagine, you know, you're, you've learned a new language or learning a new language in a lot of ways. Yes. And uh, just trying to, to you're probably, uh, uh, there's just exciting stuff. Well, Amen. let me ask this question. What, what's it like to work with the people that are looked down, looked down upon? Uh, you mentioned that you're with the Roma people, yes. uh, the the gypsies. Um, you know, what's that like to work with people that have a, a poor view from the rest of the society that you're in? Absolutely. You know, one of the most hated people in Europe uh, is the Romas, the gypsies. 
And, uh, you know, the, just the racism, just the, just the racist thoughts and comments, you would not believe even believers quoting, uh, followers, professing followers of Christ, things they would say about the Romans uh, is sad. And I had to look at Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. And, and this is where Jesus, it said that he looked at the, the crowds and he had compassion for them. They was like sheep without a shepherd. And, and that really has helped me look at this people group with a different set of eyes. See, I can't look at them with Brian eyes. I have to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. And if you do that and you're honest with yourself, you have to do it with compassion. And, um, and, and that's really, that's really what it is. Well, this, this idea of looking at, looking at the lost, um, looking at people in general, um, with Jesus eyes, with gospel eyes instead of our own, that's, that's powerful. Um, Amen. you know, I, I think about our own society. I think about those that are either poor or different, different education level than I am or, um, different race. Um, you know, that's, it's a struggle for us all. And, uh, I know right. that the, the, the gypsy people that seem so much out of our own context here in America. Um, but uh, I've heard the stories, uh, from missionaries like yourself and they, they're just, it's a hated people group. Uh, how do you work with, you mentioned the professing believers. How do you encourage them um, as somebody kind of who's outside of their society, but kind of working uh, to help them grow in their faith and to, to show love to a hated people group? How, do you, how, do, how does that work? You know, the, the best way I have found to do this, because you can preach to them until you're blue in the face and you can tell them all these things and, you yeah. know, you can just quote the scriptures. Uh, none of that really matters. But what I found to be the most effective for me personally is to is to walk the walk, to show them yeah. how to do it, to lead the way. And uh, so so how have so with me working with the Romas and, and working um, with them and, 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 you know, even if they're loud and they're not listening uh, with with the Romanians seeing us doing it and seeing us doing it with a passion and, and, and a zeal, um, it, it totally blows them away. They, they don't understand. Um, but I think they're learning from us. And, and that's, that's where I believe we have to lead by example and we have to show them the compassion and show them the way to go. Mm. One of the things that my wife enjoys, she's a mental health therapist and works with children primarily, but she, she enjoys Mr. Rogers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yes. Um, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Well, the reason I bring it up is because one of the, the things that he did on his program and that I've been reminded of is that there was a point where we had a hard time here in America with African Americans uh, swimming in the same pool as, as, mm. as Caucasians. Yeah. And um, what did he do? Well, he brought um, someone on and they set, they took off their, their shoes and they had both their feet in the same little kiddie pool and it was nothing at all. And it was leading by example. That's awesome. And so it's, yeah, that that is a great way as as we seek to impact our our fellow believers. Amen. Uh, is to lead by example. Amen. Well, I got to ask, you know, ask this big question of what is it like to to minister in a completely different culture? Um, <laughs> what's what is that like? Uh, I think the answer would be it's hard work. 
It is it's okay. hard. <laughs> it is hard work. Um, with a con- completely different culture, you have to learn everything. You have to kind of start over and, and relearn things about people mm. and about people groups. Uh, for an example, would be um, like the birthday parties. Um, oftentimes, they would have a birthday party. And, and I know in the United States, you know, you would go to someone's birthday party. You would bring them their gift. They would take their gift and they would put it over there on the on the shelf and and then you would visit you would open cakes you know and then you leave they after they open the gifts um, you know an hour you know hour and a half you're done well in in a different culture it, it could take all day at the birthday party and uh, I remember after about three hours of us being at a birthday party they hadn't even cut the cake yet. And we had to go and we told them, hey, we, we appreciate it. We're going to have to go. We had we had plans and we offended them. They did not understand after three hours while we was leaving the party. So uh, so it's just hard to try to figure out the culture. And once you start figuring that out, it gets a little easy, easier, um, but definitely, definitely hard work. Yeah, that, sound, it, that sounds challenging. Just having to learn so much. And, and probably what feels like a short amount of time as yeah, well, that's trying right. to play catch up. So, well, what do you enjoy about serving on the mission field? What's what's been some of the the highlights, the fun stuff, the things that have kind of impacted you and your family in, in great and joyous ways? I would say I love just I love how different it is. Um, you know, uh, one thing that we love about the mission field um, is. is that they take pride in family time. It, you know, um, it's not, they're not time oriented like we are in America where, mm-hmm. you know, we're all by the watch, but they're event oriented. They might be an hour late to show up to, to the event, but we're going to stay all day there. And uh, I love just that, you know, once you can learn to relax and it took me almost two years to, to figure this out, uh, but just to relax and enjoy it. Um, it's a slower pace and, and I love how passionate they are, um, about many things, you know, so, sometimes even myself, we were spoiled Americans with a lot of things that we liked, uh, video games and watching TV and movies and, uh, and, and, and they still stop by your house. They still visit with you in the front porch. Uh, it's a different culture in, in, in that aspect. We love it. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's been kind of an unusual time for us all uh, dealing with uh, COVID-19 pandemic and and trying to figure that out. But some of the the pluses, uh, as I've talked with some of my students, has been, hey, we're spending more time together as a family. That's true. And things have kind of slowed down here in the States. And and so I I know that that's got to be a neat thing. Um, for you to over there. And I know that, of course, you have different regulations where you're at during this time, but yeah. it's forced us in the States to to take a, a look down. at our families and to work on it. So good. <clears throat> so good to get back to the get back to the, the basics, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, well, Brian, it has been great to connect with you today. I admire your heart and your ministry. Um, you know, one of the things that I'd love for you to do is take a moment or two and share uh, some different ways that people can find out about your ministry, uh, how they can know what's going on. Um, so whether it's a website, email address, podcast, uh, whatever ways you've got, share that with us. We'd love to know. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, well, so we are BMA missionaries to Romania, uh, and uh, we have um, a Facebook page called Reisners in Romania. Uh, so they can check us out on Facebook. We post almost daily uh, information and updates on that. Um, I, I have started a podcast called Rising Up with the Reisners, and oftentimes I will share that on the Facebook page as well as um, on Spotify and, and um, podcast, and they can uh, check out different episodes on that. Um, if they would love, to, would love for their prayers, um, we are, uh, as a BMA missionary, we are 100% funded by ourselves, so we have to get funding through uh, through partnerships, through the churches and individuals. So if anybody would like to partner with our ministry, uh, they can reach out to us. They can also reach out to the BMA uh, missions office there in Conway and uh, get more information that way as well. Fantastic. Well, one of the things that uh, we'll include today or in the show notes, there'll be some some of those contact information and so that you can get in touch with Brian and find out more about his ministry. Um, I just would, I love these guys. I love their heart. I love their ministry. I love that they are seeking to serve God in another part of the world that I, I can't go to right now. And, um, but we know that the gospel is being spread. Amen. Well, again, thanks for being with us, Brian. We, we love you and we're praying for you. Hey brother, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the student ministry matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.